So guys, welcome back to ADHD Remission. Today we have a very exciting episode, or I'm very excited, at least I hope you guys are. Uh, if you're new here, ADHD Remission, this is going to be the show where I talk about how I put my ADHD in remission, and you can too, despite what you're told by society, or your doctors, or uh, despite how much medication you're taking. I feel weird saying the same thing every episode. I used to take a lot, now I take nothing. Um, 54 milligrams of Concerta, and if I needed to do homework, I'd take 108. <laughs> But now I take nothing and meditate for long periods of time, read for long periods of time, focus, high dopamine state. Dopamine is at the core of ADHD. However, there are six um, core things, six main things, which um, I think that are causes of an ADHD because they all have negative effects on dopamine. Um, the first one is uh, dopaminergics. Obviously, the second one is endocrine receptors. Um, third one is polyunsaturated fatty acids. The fourth one is low exercise. The fifth one is nutrient deficiencies. And the sixth one is um, is high serotonin. And lucky for you guys, I've been talking about serotonin a lot. Today we're actually going to be talking in depth about what you can do about high serotonin. And let's just go over some of the symptoms of high serotonin really quickly. And give me a chance here because this is really going to go against probably anything you've ever been told about by you know doctors or Google or whatever. Right, so main symptoms are depersonalization, anxiety, anhedonia or bluntedness, um, low motivation and irritability, and maybe some sexual dysfunction or low libido. And most of these result either from the fact that, uh, from three main things, and also weight gain. The three main things, um, first of all, it suppresses thyroid and suppresses metabolism. It suppresses cell respiration. Uh, the second thing, it um, greatly suppresses androgens, so it, repress, it uh, represses the conversion of testosterone and the DHC, which is a much more potent form of testosterone. And thirdly, it greatly, greatly suppresses dopamine. And that's the main thing in ADHD. Even if you don't have these symptoms, do not click off, please. Uh, I need my retention. <laughs> no, I'm joking. Don't click off because even if you don't have any of these symptoms, lowering your serotonin will have a very beneficial effect in ADHD because it's going to lead to raised dopamine because serotonin blocks dopamine and dopamine blocks serotonin. Um, there are many things which are said to be beneficial because they raise serotonin, but many things raise monomines in general, so uh, they'll raise both dopamine and serotonin, but that doesn't necessarily mean that the positive effect is from serotonin. In fact, we see um, some fantastic things with um, serotonin blockers. So this one is going to be kind of, we're going to be talking about a bunch of stuff that you can do um, to lower your serotonin. Um, so we're just going to go over a study very quickly. This is going to be very, very brief. Um, and this is about the common misconception. Well, there's a lot of common misconceptions about serotonin. The first one is that high serotonin causes depression, or low serotonin causes depression. Um, that's pretty much thrown out the window by academia, but there's still a lot of people on the internet saying it's happy hormone or whatever. And if you look up what decreases serotonin as a way to, you know, maybe try and get onto what I'm saying, this is why I'm making this video, because if you look up how do you decrease serotonin or what decreases serotonin, it's gonna tell you, you know, trans fats, uh, artificial sweeteners, which actually increase serotonin because they disrupt the gut. Um, that's what we're even talking about in this video, uh, or in this episode. Um, I say chronic stress, and the funny thing, chronic stress, chronic stress actually increases serotonin because um, it increases learned helplessness, and also cortisol. It's funny they say cortisol decreases serotonin. That is simply not true. Cortisol upregulates tryptophan hydroxylase, which is the thing that turns the amino acid tryptophan into serotonin. Cortisol can cause depression, but it's not through raising or it's not through lowering serotonin. So we're going to talk about this really quickly, which is another misconception about serotonin. 
Studies called inhibition of tryptophan hydroxylase abolishes fatigue induced by central tryptophan in exercising rats. So this is a huge fatigue. This is a huge falsehood that you'll see on Google, Google Health, and a lot of these mainstream health organizations. They'll tell you one fantastic way to raise your serotonin is to exercise. Um, and this is this is like saying one fantastic way to raise your uh, your your stress levels is by exercise. It's ridiculous because serotonin does not um, accumulate while you're exercising because you're becoming more happy. Serotonin accumulates while you're exercising because your body wants you to stop exercising. Your body and a lot of you are in a kind of, and this is one thing that's going to, oh my God, it's going to make your exercise session so much better, is when you get into a low serotonin state. When you get into a state where your body is thinking about abundance, thinking about reproduction. Because there's two main modes that your body is in just ancestrally, evolutionarily. You're either in reproduction mode or you're in starvation mode. You're either in uh, abundance or you're in scarcity. When you eat things like polyunsaturated fat, just just think about it, not from like a heart health or whatever, uh, like mainstream, whatever that is, right? Um, think about it from like an evolutionary perspective. If we ate nuts, because when you eat polyunsaturated fats, your body thinks that you're eating nuts. Um, it, your ancestors would have to be down bad to eat nuts. Like I... Look up, look up what a nut tree looks like right now. Your ancestors would have had to be real hungry to eat nuts. So when you have high amounts of PUFA, polyunsaturated fats, you're actually signaling to your body that you're in a starvation state. And a lot of people also live in a high stress state, and this is going to lead to higher serotonin accumulation in your workouts because um, your body wants you to stop working out. Your body wants you to go into a lower metabolism mode. Polyunsaturated fats and serotonin both put you into a very low metabolism mode. That's why they feed polyunsaturated. That's why they feed soy and corn to animals because they have very high amounts of polyunsaturated fat, and it makes them animals gain weight very easily, very very easily. Destroys their thyroid, destroys their androgens, raises their serotonin through the roof. Um, what's that? What's that going to do? That's going to crash their metabolism. It's going to make it so they don't want to move around. It's going to make them, you know, not not very metabolic. It's going to make them have a really slow metabolism, not burn a lot of calories. It's going to maximize feed efficiency. So. That's just a little bit, but yeah. So there's just there's a quick study showing that inhibition. So um, through uh, TRP inhibitors, they were actually able to um, stop the the healthy the the happy hormone serotonin from accumulating while they were working out, and that literally abolished fatigue when you work when you're working out, especially like when you're lifting or when you're running or whatever. When you start getting fatigued, that's your body's because you're under stress. Okay, and acute stress is good. Chronic stress is not. Your body raises serotonin because it wants you to stop exercising, especially if you're in a starvation state, if your body thinks that you're in a starvation state, if you're not signaling abundance to your body. And I haven't talked about this too much, but I'll talk about it more as we go on the podcast. Let's just get started, okay? I, again, I'm not going to do a whole lot of studies here. Um, just email me if you have any questions, because if I showed studies for every single one of these things, it would be literally two hours. So email me, just starting off, email me, ADHDremission.gmail.com if you ever have any questions, please. Um, that's just the only study we're going to be going off on this. So as I said, symptoms, depersonalization, anxiety, anhedonia, bluntedness, low motivation, irritability. Um, it's also been, it's, it, there's a pretty plausible theory that um, autism in children is highly motivated by low serotonin or high serotonin. And it also coincides with uh, mothers taking, who take SSRIs have a much higher chance of having children diagnosed with autism. Yeah. Well, that's not solid proof because epidemiology. I'm not a big fan of observational or epidemiology, but there are a lot. There's pretty, pretty good research to show that that may be the case. That's not what we're going to be talking about this episode. 
Um, we're gonna be talking about ways you can increase and ways you can you can or not. I keep saying a high serotonin. Ways you can decrease. So we're gonna first go over the things that um, increase serotonin. Um, and you're gonna be surprised going through this list. You would think you know we'd all be so happy with all of the stuff that we're ingesting, but we're not. So um, just before we start, I think it's very strange. I'm gonna note this right before we start. I said that like five times now. Um, every single mainstream health recommendation, every single one does these three things. It raises serotonin, it lowers dopamine, and um, <laughs> it lowers androgens. It's very, it's a very, very, very weird pattern, especially considering the fact that serotonin is very effective in um, promoting complacency and kind of, you know, um, impressionability, I would say, like manipulatability. I don't, I don't even know if that's a word. Let's get started. So the first thing is polyunsaturated fats. This is one of the biggest ones, guys. i not not a fan of these things. They increase serotonin a lot, they decrease dopamine, and they very potently decrease androgens. Um, they literally are directly estrogenic just because they increase um, this thing called aromatase in the body, which turns um, androgens like testosterone into um, into estrogen. This is why I think DHT blockers are not so good, even though they increase testosterone. That's just because less testosterone is getting converted into DHT, which is more potent than testosterone, and it doesn't aromatize into estrogen. So DHT, big fan of DHT. Not a big fan of uh, aromatase or aromatase, things that increase aromatase. Obviously, if you're very low aromatase, that can cause a lot of problems. But um, polyunsaturated fats, directly estrogenic, directly anti-androgenic by also inhibiting 5-AR. Um, and they increase serotonin, they lower dopamine. Not great. And they're also directly anti-thyroid, and they slow metabolism. That's why they feed them to cows. That's why they feed them to pigs. That's why they feed them to chickens. Makes them fat. Do you want to... <laughs> they've convinced us that these things are healthy. They literally feed them to animals to make them fat. Come on, guys. Um... So polyunsaturated halogens. Ah, this one, this one is gonna be maybe controversial. I've said some controversial things in this so far. This one's probably gonna be kind of controversial. Um, if you're not familiar with halogens, this is a uh, group of chemicals on the, uh, or the group of elements on the on the periodic table. Um, we're gonna start with the most controversial. We're gonna we're gonna put that we're gonna put that towards that. So there's there's iodine, there's chlorine, there's uh, bromine, there's and and, 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 and something, <laughs> and then there's testanine. I think it's called testanine. It's yeah, okay, testanine. Okay, it's something like that. Um, testanine and whatever the and and, and and whatever that is, those don't really matter. You're not really going to be encountering those. The main ones are going to oh, and there's one more, fluorine. Okay, ah, now we finally got out the we got the cats out of the bag. We're going to be talking about it in this episode. We're going to be talking about fluoride. Okay. Um, <laughs> I might, I might just make a whole entire other episode. Um, and, and, and chlorine. I think, I think I said chlorine. So the main ones you're worried about, or you're thinking about, not necessarily worried, but chlorine, um, you're thinking about iodine, um, fluorine, fluoride, <laughs> um, and then bromine. Bromine is pretty undisputably that it causes cancer and it's very negative when you see brominated vegetable oils. If you're eating brominated vegetable oils, you got some stuff to work on <laughs> before you lower it. You're probably not, so you're, you're probably good on that. Um, but there are things like flame retardants um, are polybrominated diphenyl ethers. There's lots of brominated. When you look at every contemporary chemical in our society, every contemporary, like, new, like, weird chemical, every single one of them, every, and I mean literally without fail, every single one of these, like, weird chemicals that we interact on with on a day-to-day basis, every single one of these, and especially every single one of them that's endocrine shopping, fall into one of two categories. They're either made from petroleum or they're some kind of, you know, natural gas feedstock. Or they're halogens. 
they're halogenated or they're halogenated aliens. Um, if, if you look at um, Lexapro, Prozac, um, Abilify, um, Concerta, literally every single, almost, <laughs> that's a very short list, almost every single pharmaceutical drug is either made from petroleum or halogens. Do not stop taking your uh, medications. Do not do that. I'm not recommending you do that abruptly. Um, I don't recommend that you take them, but uh, definitely, definitely do not recommend you stop taking them right away. A little bit of liability there. Please do not do that. As I say, at least, at least email me first, because you might die. Okay, do not stop taking your medication abruptly. Please do not. Um, but halogens actually increase serotonin um, with, uh, I think they know that with bromine. I don't think they know with iodine. Um, but with fluoride, it's pretty well documented that fluoride does increase um, serotonin. Email me if you need citations for that. Um, it's also pretty well, and this is one of my stranger theories, um, I think there's an important theory, I think there's an important ratio of DMT to serotonin in your brain, and I think that is a huge determinant of consciousness. Unfortunately, fluoride also lowers intracellular, it actually lowers the amount of DMT that's in your brain because it uh, blocks the function of the pineal gland. So it's a double whammy of increasing your serotonin and decreasing your DMT. I'm not, I'm not a fan of fluoride, um, just, just for that reason alone. There's some other problematic things in it. Um, one way you can avoid this is by not using fluoride toothpaste in your dentist. Might get really mad at me for the saying, but but think about this. I think that the major there's, I think the major cause of tooth decay in America and worldwide generally is just a deficiency in vitamin K2, which is very important for teeth health. I think that if we had adequate levels of vitamin K2 and most vitamins and minerals in general, we would not have a need for things like fluoride. And there's also disputes about fluoride, whether fluoride is actually effective. The biggest thing is fluoride toothpaste. It's like 20 million times higher fluoride than that's actually in the water. I still drink fluoridated water. That's like one of the only contaminants that's still in my water. I use an activated carbon filter. Uh, I think it's from Aquasan. Um, need a water filter, guys. Come on. 2023, you need a freaking water filter. Come on. Please get a water filter. But um, when it comes to fluoride, it's going to raise serotonin. The other thing, and with chlorine, this is why I don't really like to swim in chlorinated pools. I swam in chlorinated pools for like eight years, or I think like nine years. Messed up my skin, messed up my hair, especially just those. Like even topical applications of these things are not great. But they also do increase your serotonin. They're also anti-androgenic. They block 5-AR, and they block testosterone directly, and they express dopamine. These things are not very good for um, your ADHD. Iodine is more important that you get it in. Um, I would aim to increase iodine efficiency, which is a term that I created myself. There's a huge problem currently where, you know, the government thinks there's an iodine deficiency. Really, there's a, a goitrogen um, efficiency. That doesn't sound right. Goitrogens are things, um, cruciferous vegetables, lots, 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 lots of different things, which block iodine absorption in your thyroid, which lead to hypothyroidism. So the government's solution to this is use iodized salt. <laughs> no. Um, well, the main place you're going to get bioavailable iodine without any of those problematic goitrogens are just liver and eggs. Um, but um, I, unfortunately, they don't block the serotonergic effects of iodine. They just block the uh, thyroid effects of iodine. I actually am not completely sure if that, if iodine specifically is confirmed in increasing serotonin, but I know that every other um, halogen is, so it probably would be safe to assume. I would just aim to increase iodine efficiency, increase the amount that it's going to absorb into the thyroid without trying to eat too much because that might lead to increasing serotonin. Let's move on. Oh, God, we have so many less for 15 minutes. This is going to be a long episode. Um, <laughs> fiber. So this is going to go along with fiber and other gut irritants. Um, 
So gut irritants, saponins, lectins, gums, sweeteners, and sensitive foods. So if you can't digest milk, um, that's gonna raise serotonin. If you can't digest grains, that's gonna raise serotonin. If you can digest any of those things perfectly, if they don't irritate, if you eat oats, and fiber, I mean, if you eat oats, if you eat, if you can eat vegetables, if you can eat beans, and they, if you digest it perfectly, it's not gonna increase your serotonin. The problem is that a lot of these things do not, for a lot of people, I can't eat whole grains, I can't eat beans, I can't even eat freaking cinnamon, guys. Cinnamon messes up my gut. And um, this is funny, this is another lie that's purported that um, you need to take care of your gut and eat lots of fiber, and <laughs> because that's because that's where your serotonin's produced. Um, well, the serotonin gets released in the gut from fiber because the fiber irritates the gut, and <laughs> that's a stressful situation for the body, and then it releases serotonin. Very, very strange reasoning by the pro serotonin party. I don't. I personally don't tolerate a lot of fiber. To eat what you tolerate, guys. I'm not telling you not to eat fiber, not to eat, you know, lectins or whatever. I would avoid gums and sweeteners and especially sensitive foods, guys. Um, these are just find out where you're sensitive to, and that's gonna work the best for you. The next one is tryptophan. Tryptophan is amino acid. Um, this is why a lot of people recommend eating um, a good amount of your protein as gelatin or collagen, and less as muscle meat because. Um, also, it's gonna have a lot of tryptophan that's gonna convert to a lot of serotonin and this goes along with the whole carnivore diet uh, <laughs> Fiasco and you know all this animal based stuff The biggest problem with it is that it's not really that ancestrally consistent because we didn't just eat muscle meat and fat We ate a lot of collagen which comprised a lot of our protein intake which does not have um, uh, Tryptophan or iron which is very cool. It also has a ton of calcium So it helps block that toxicity that comes from excess iron um, next one we're going to be talking about is endotoxin. So this is another lie that's told that resistant starch increases your serotonin. And the reason for that is because it, some, some, some way, it's not, it's not really fully digested and it gets to your colon and it ferments in your colon and then it creates, um, it releases a ton of endotoxin in your bloodstream and endotoxin is very problematic, guys. Endotoxin does increase serotonin a lot. <laughs> it's not a good thing. It's like if you look at these things, which they say like increase a lot of them, like exercise or like sunlight, like that seems good. But if you look at more like specific things, it becomes kind of obvious that these are not really good things. Polyunsaturated fats, probably not good for us. Uh, excess halogens, probably not good for us. Um, gut irritants and sensitive eating sensitive foods. If, if we could eat sensitive foods and become happy because serotonin is a happy hormone, that would be that would be pretty awesome. <laughs> you probably wouldn't have any depression. If these things actually, if serotonin actually was a happy hormone. So endotoxin, um, that also comes with like moldy food, um, like moldy cheese. I'm not a big fan of blue cheese, guys. <laughs> Plant chemicals, so this is another huge thing, like resveratrol, things like this. Uh, curcumin, lots of these like plant antioxidants. A lot of them increase serotonin a lot. A lot of them are actually directly estrogenic. Resveratrol is directly estrogenic. Um, and resveratrol is directly it's an androgen antagonist, and it limits uh, five alpha reductants. I'm not a fan of the bunch of these plant chemicals, guys. Um, again, do what feels good for you, but try an experiment, and you might see some some gains when you remove a lot of these plant chemicals. I'm not a fan. Um, I can't really eat that many plant foods in general, except for fruit and very, very well-cooked potatoes. <laughs> so I'm not really exposed to a lot of these things. Next one is estrogen. This is very interesting. Because like I said before, every mainstream health recommendation increases your serotonin and um, decreases your androgens. And every single environmental contaminant also increases your estrogen, which increases your serotonin a bunch. Estrogen is one of the most serotonergic things out there. 
So all these endocrine stuff, I might make a full video on all the different, and that would take too long. I was actually gonna put something on my website where I was gonna try and like market like a full, cause no one, oh God, dude. I might just get it out, I don't know. I don't know what I'm gonna do. But no one knows how, like I literally have like 300 things. 300 things are probably in your house right now. I bet you, I bet you, you at least have 150 things in your house. I almost can guarantee you have it. Um, but yeah, all these endocrine disruptors, they're all serotonergic. That is a huge problem. And they're all anti-dopaminergic, which is not going to be good for, um, well, serotonin is directly anti-dopaminergic. But they're also anti-androgenic, which decreases dopamine even more. Not good, guys. Um, a lot of, oh, God. But there's there's definitely help out there, guys. Trust me, there's definitely help. I've done it. You can do it, too. Um, next one is, like I said, cortisol. So if you look up what depletes serotonin. Prolonged periods of stress can deplete serotonin levels. Who said that? Like, who's... That's not true. Cortisol upregulates tryptophan hydroxide. This is not true. Completely false. How to increase serotonin. Meditation. Um, I, I don't know. I would say meditation probably decreases serotonin. I think they draw a lot of reverse causations here. Okay, serotonin is a happy hormone. Meditation makes you happy. That must, it must increase serotonin. I don't know, guys. Physical activity, like I said, um, serotonin accumulates during physical activity. It makes you fatigued. Um, sun, I don't know about that either. Vitamin D has some anti-TPH activities. Laugh, laughing definitely does not increase serotonin, increase dopamine. Um, daily regime, daily regime probably will increase serotonin. Too much rigidity will do that. Dark chocolate, maybe because of all the plant chemicals and the gut irritants, which are probably going to increase your serotonin as well. Healthy diet, what they describe as healthy diet, sure, yeah, that will definitely increase serotonin, guys. Rejection of bad habits like alcohol. It's funny they put alcohol there when chronic alcoholism is very well known to cause um, high serotonin. My friend, I talk about this a lot, my friend who was dealing with alcoholism, he got off of it, he was depressed. His doctor tried to put him on SSRIs and it, he, very high serotonin state, not good. Enough sleep, I, I don't know, I'm not even gonna say anything on that. <laughs> they draw a lot of reverse causations here, it's weird. Um, but cortisol does increase tryptophan hydroxylase, even acutely. This is why you want to have generally a, a state of abundance in your body. Um, very, very beneficial, guys. Hypothyroid. So serotonin decreases thyroid, and thyroid decreases serotonin. It, I, I'm not really sure which way the causation points, but if you're hypothyroid, a lot of times this is actually just from serotonin. Um, a lot of people who take SSRIs become hypothyroid. Not much to go over here. Thyroid is very important um, for your metabolism, for cell respiration, and serotonin suppresses. Um, next one is too much water because it's going to decrease your salt and it's going to decrease your other electrolytes, which are very important in lowering serotonin, keeping serotonin in check, um, and drinking a ton of water, like drinking like three gallons, like all the freaking stuff they're recommending you. You really don't need to do. Guys, if you have your electrolytes really dialed in, you're not going to be that thirsty. I promise you. You're not gonna, When you drink a ton, when you're super thirsty, it's because you're low on electrolytes, not necessarily because you're low on water. Oh, I could talk about water for a while. This is a big myth. Um, so now we're going to talk about things that can actually decrease serotonin. Um, first one is aspirin. Um, acetaminophen, a lot of other NSAIDs, actually increase or decrease serotonin turnover, so they increase serotonin. Um, negative, that's not good. Aspirin actually has a bunch of other benefits, but um, I wouldn't necessarily recommend taking commercial aspirin. If you can get some willow bark extract, that's good, but um, acetylsalicylic acid, Maybe it's salad. I don't know. I don't remember what exactly what it was. But conventional aspirin is made from petrochemicals. It would it would still be beneficial, um, but I would just recommend. I mean, it, I wouldn't I wouldn't really try. I wouldn't take aspirin every day personally. Um, I would say try some other stuff first. 
you don't really need to do this. Next one is caffeine. So drink coffee. Do not drink green tea, guys. Don't drink any of this like weird, like whatever any of these weird teas are, because while caffeine is an androgenic and pro-dopaminergic and anti-serotonergic, um, green tea and all those weird plant chemicals are not. Luckily, um, coffee, the the coffee bean does not have a lot of these um, anti-androgenic plant chemicals, but things like green tea, like green tea, literally nukes your DHT. Like I would not mess around with that. Um, but caffeine does increase serotonin pretty well. A lot of people do well with it. Um, I think a big a big reason of like the kind of argument against caffeine is when you eat caffeine and like you go to work or when you like sit down. And that's gonna when you're sitting down and you have a high heart rate, when you have high when you're super like hyper metabolic and you're just sitting down, that's not good. Okay, that's gonna lead to huge problems of stress. But if you're if you drink caffeine and you're like you know walking around or maybe even like like surfing or something or going to the gym, that's gonna feel really good. Um, I think people get a lot of stress disorders just because they're um, eating caffeine and they're not really doing anything. Now, I'm not very against caffeine. I'm in school right now, so there's not really convenient time for me to take it. But once I'm out in December, I will definitely start taking it. Um, next one is sodium. So this is a big problem I have with conventional health is that they say that sodium is bad and it raises blood pressure. Sodium only raises blood pressure if you have a super low water intake. So when most people have high blood pressure, they come to the doctor. The doctor tells them to reduce your uh, sodium. This is not good. This is going to lead to higher aldosterone, which is going to increase blood pressure. Not good, guys. Serotonin is also, or, and serotonin raises blood pressure itself. Some anti-blood pressure drugs actually, uh, I think I think the mechanism of some, maybe, I don't know if that's the main ones, but some anti-blood pressure drugs literally just block serotonin. And guess what? There's not a side effect of on most of them, or uh, any of them that I've seen, is depression. No one gets depression from anti-serotonin drugs. No one gets depression from cyperheptidine. Some people get it right away, but then it, it has like a rebounding effect. I haven't really heard like these blood. I haven't really heard depression. I haven't seen depression. The side effects. It's it's weird that it's a happy hormone, but if you suppress it, it reduces fatigue, reduces anhedonia, has all these good effects. But I don't know. Sodium is going to reduce serotonin, or not as much. But what I mean is that low ser low sodium is going to raise serotonin a ton. Um, I think it's partially because of aldosterone. I think it's mainly. I don't know the main mechanism of action, but. Do not be eating low sodium, guys. Just increase your water intake to the point that you're going to have sodium. Just drink when you're thirsty. Salt to taste. You will be fine. It will not give you high blood pressure. Unless you know you're some crazy genetic anomaly or unless you have some um, confounding disorder like insulin resistance. Next one is low stress. Being in a common low stress state is going to be very beneficial for, um, like I said, cortisol upregulates um, tryptophan hydroxylase. We want to do things to downregulate tryptophan hydroxylase. Um, low stress, very important for low serotonin and high dopamine in general. Um, next one's androgens. So androgens are going to suppress dope, or they're going to suppress serotonin a lot, and they're going to increase. <laughs> Guys, these are really just the same things here. <laughs> I'm going to talk a lot about how you can do these things in general, but a lot of these things basically like pro ADHD, pro androgen, pro metabolism, pro dopamine anti-estrogen, anti-serotonin. And if it's the other way around, then it's not going to be freaking good for ADHD. Um, but personally, I, I would consult with me and ask if something is good first because a lot of these things will tell you uh, wrong. I've literally seen, you know, men's, men's health never listen to men's health. Men's health, they said that, they, I think they said green tea increases testosterone. I, I don't know. It was something ridiculous, like actually like obscene. Like that is obscene. You cannot say that. Um, <laughs> you're, you're canceled for saying that. Androgens are going to be very good at reducing serotonin. Um, it's kind of like a, a both they affect each other. Um, next one is sugar. Sugar is going to be very effective at lowering cortisol. 
the only problem that people have with sugar in our current society and the only reason it's demonized is because eat, people eat sugar and they sit down, they do nothing. And then they have insulin resistance and it causes a ton of problems. That's why sugar causes problems. Um, sugar is not, I think most sugar is not even that high glycemic. Like if you eat like white rice or white potatoes, that's like 100 glycemic. So I, there's nothing even wrong with having 100 glycemic if you're going to move a ton afterwards. But the main problem with sugar is just that people are so insulin resistant. It's not because of sugar. If you look at, here, I'm, I'm, I, I want to show you guys something. Go, all right, go down the description and I'm going to link an image to um, a really cool, interesting graph. Um, and the reason for this graph, I'll just like click on it for a second. But um, the reason that I think people have so much insulin resistance is actually just because of polyunsaturated fats. I don't think we need to uh, lose the sugar. I think we need to just lose the uh, crappy fats and then we will have better insulin sensitivity and then sugar will be just fine. And it does all these cool things, increases metabolism, increases testosterone, actually, despite what we've heard, Decre uh, increases 5AR, increases generally androgens, decreases serotonin, increases the, the frick. I'm losing myself here, guys. It increases the frick out of metabolism, increases the frick out of your thyroid. Big fan. Um, just don't, you know, sit down and ma match it to your activity level. Next one. All right, next one, no, actually. Yeah, well, okay, we're just going to talk about it. Next one's kind of weird. Um, some of you guys might be kind of turned off by this. Um, this one is actually psychedelics. I don't know if I can really talk. I, this is a non expo No, I can talk about it. Yeah, I can talk about it. So, some of you guys might be familiar with psychedelics. Uh, this, like, psychedelic revolution where people are, you know, taking psilocybin or LSD um, or all this different stuff. Um, I think it's cool. I think it has a lot of potential. Um, I think one thing that's very interesting is the actual effect that it has on serotonin. And this is a personal experience, but I feel like the come up on these drugs is like a high serotonin state. Like it feels high serotonin. It feels like, you know, like I'm, I'm kind of tweaking out or I'm kind of like, I don't know, because I don't get deeper, so I don't I don't get anhedonia or any of that stuff. I don't get low motivation. Actually, I have very high energy. I'm not sure what it is. It increases serotonin somehow, but it does it in a completely different way. And it is the 5-HG2A, but 5-HG2A is known for all these problems. So it's very strange. I would say we don't really know enough about how it works. We do know, actually, though, um, the the come down phase, or not not the come down, but the 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 afterglow. So this is after you've taken it, and in the weeks following. Yeah, I used to do this stuff uh, a lot. I've actually I've I some I occasionally do. I sometimes I microdose, but um, I might get banned for saying that. But um, the 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 come down or the I keep saying come down, the the afterglow phase, like the weeks following the experience. Is actually a very low serotonin, very high dopamine state, and this is very cool to me. Um, and I've experienced this personally, uh, lining this up with just general characteristics. I noticed that my ADHD, even when I had bad habits, I noticed that my ADHD improved significantly from using psychedelics. I don't recommend that you use psychedelics, just for a <laughs> legal disclaimer. Do not use controlled substances. Follow the rules. At least email me if you're thinking of breaking the rules, so that I can tell you that you shouldn't do it and that it's bad. Um, Please email me before you take any substances or risks. <laughs> don't, don't just. But yeah, uh, I think psychedelics can be very helpful. I think that microdosing can actually reduce serotonin um, chronically. I haven't microdosed in a while. I haven't taken anything in a while. Um, but I do think that these things are very helpful. I do think they're very helpful for uh, personality development, ego death. I think they're very helpful for a lot of things, but they're very helpful for decreasing serotonin. The next one is carbon dioxide. And um, this is probably sound kind of weird, body might have been hearing that carbon dioxide is a really bad thing um carbon dioxide is actually a very good thing so when people breathe when people a lot of people feel starved for breath 
and this is because they're they have very shallow breath and they're just breathing in really really in fast really out what am I I'm going into high serotonin um, in and out in and out really fast right um, this is really bad I just did it this is really bad um, it's bad because you're just constantly breathing out any new CO2 that's being made I'm not exactly sure how yeah I don't know if you guys remember in biology but cell respiration I think it's oxygen um, oxygen and glucose and then that creates ATP and then carbon dioxide yeah I think that's what it is um, but higher amounts of carbon dioxide in your body are actually very beneficial for your metabolism this has been demonstrated pretty well um, it's very lower serotonin increases dopamine increases entrance guys it's mainly the same thing here um, that you probably might have never heard of that I'm gonna let my dog in. So picky. Alright, so you might not have heard of this before, but when people breathe in out really fast and they feel like they're starved for breath, often they have perfectly fine oxygen levels. Um, the problem is actually just that they have not enough CO2 to actually bind to the oxygen and deal with it. I'm not sure how this works in like a cellular respiration context, but um, I've heard it and I've seen it in the literature and I've experienced it myself. I feel like when I kind of in, I'm not going to make a whole episode on this right now, but um, I think I actually made an episode on breathwork. It was kind of crappy though. I, might, I think I'm going to redo that um, when I learn more about breathwork specifically when I read more papers on it, but um, just breathe in and out slower. That wasn't an example. That was too fast, but breathe at the and, and, and hold like maybe like a second, a couple seconds at the bottom. Um, I also personally just started today drinking carbonated water. I'm going to see how that turns out for me. I've heard that that's good. I've heard some people will drink baking soda to increase CO2. Some people do like bag breathing or whatever. Um, there's a lot of different stuff people do to increase CO2. Um, I think it can be very beneficial. CO2 is very beneficial for metabolism. Um, and it lowers serotonin, of course, which is what we want with ADHD because serotonin decreases dopamine. So lowering serotonin, even if you don't have any of those symptoms, will probably lead to um, a decrease in ADHD symptoms. And even if it doesn't, it's worth trying. It's very easy to increase your CO2. It might feel kind of difficult at first because you probably have a low CO2 tolerance, but after you do it for a while, your tolerance will get better. Um, it just feels good in general kind of being in that state. You feel like you're not at all starved for breath. Um, but being starved for breath is generally actually just low CO2. Um, yeah, or high CO, or no, I think I think it might be high CO2. No, I don't know. I don't know, guys. Try increasing your CO2 and see what happens. Try the things. So we're gonna go over it very quickly. Things that raise it: polyunsaturated fats, halogens like fluoride um, and chlorine, especially in bromine. Um, fiber or other gut irritants if they irritate your guts. Um, almost definitely saponins, almost definitely lectins, sound like gluten, um, definitely uh, gums, definitely sweeteners, and definitely all sensitive foods are going to increase your serotonin because they're going to irritate your gut and then your gut is going to release serotonin. That's a stress response. It's not happy hormone, guys. Come on. Um, Cyperheptidine uh, serotonin antagonist is very effective at dealing with anhedonia. Um, high serotonin causes anhedonia. This is why a lot of, like, okay, I'll, I'll give the, the example that I love to give. You take a happy person, and you put them in a, in a high serotonin state, and they become anhedonic, right? They feel like 
oh, nothing, nothing feels good anymore. I don't, I don't feel anything anymore. You feel, you take someone who feels like garbage every single day and is depressed and wants to kill himself, and you put them in a high serotonin state, and they can't feel anything, and they're like, oh, this isn't so bad, <laughs> right? So I think a lot of these, you know, people, it's very effective in these people. I think a lot of them are really blunted to the negative realities of their life, or maybe something that they're going through. Um, I don't think that this is necessarily positive in and of itself, and I also think it's indicative that serotonin is not a happy hormone. It's rather like a stress. It's like okay, I'm stressed. I'm going to turn off. It's also a high. It's also a. It's kind of like polyunsaturated fats in the way that it signals to your body, okay, get fat. <laughs> so you'll see it in a lot of people who take SSRIs. They'll tell you uh, they got fat from taking SSRIs, and the reason is because it crushes your thyroid, it crushes your metabolism, crushes your cell respiration. Not good. Also crushes your dopamine. This is gonna be. Um, wait, what was the time? <laughs> um, okay. So we said PUFA, halogens, fiber, um, gut irritants, tryptophan, endotoxin, plant chemicals, estrogen, all endocrine receptors are serotonergic, especially halogenetic or halogenic ones. Um, cortisol, uh, hypothyroid in too much water or not enough, um, electrolytes, but a lot of times it comes in the form of too much water. Um, things that lower it, aspirin, caffeine, sodium, low stress, androgens, sugar, psychedelics, and CO2. And that's a very short list, but there's tons of things which actually, almost anything that's going to be androgenic is going to uh, lower serotonin. Almost everything, almost everything that's going to be dopaminergic is going to lower serotonin. So being like less rigid is going to lower serotonin. Not giving up, really like, well, not being not being too rigid, but still like following through and not like, not having learned helplessness, that's going to help you a lot with lowering serotonin. Um, yeah, I hope you got some, this is, a, this is probably the longest episode I've ever made. Um, I hope you got some value from this video. I hope you learned some ways in which you can decrease your serotonin. Uh, I'll probably think of some more afterwards. Um, if you ever want to talk to me, if you ever want to ask me any questions, if you ever want to know how to lower your serotonin, or you want that list of the freaking 300 different endocrine disruptors, um, just email me at ADHDremission at gmail.com. All right, I hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope you got some value. And I hope you have I hope you have a good day, okay? Keep that serotonin low. I'll see you in the next episode.